Hi, I'm Dr. Angela Brinson, founder of Psyched Solutions. I am a licensed psychologist and pediatric cannabis consultant. I've worked with families for over 20 years within our community. At Psyched Solutions, we provide evaluations for learning problems, attention deficits, autism, employment, and surgical procedures. We also offer traditional counseling, mindfulness and meditation techniques, DUI and substance abuse counseling, as well as pediatric cannabis consultation. If your child is having issues in school, we are able to help you navigate through the school system for faster access to support services. For more information, please visit our website at psychedsolutions.com. That's psychedsolutions.com. We're located in the beautiful city of Miami Gardens. I look forward to meeting with you. Thank you. Power Radio and Own Your Power TV. I'm so happy and delighted to have two of my favorite uh, political figures in Miami who are here to share with us um, some of their views and, and advice for a lot of us because there's been so much happening in the world today. And, and the topic today is called How to Own Your Power and Affect Change in Your Community. Um, I think many of us feel helpless. We don't know what to do. There's only so many things you can post. There's only so many protests you can do, but there's things that we can actually physically do as an individual. And I think you guys are going to share with us some of those steps. So first and foremost, can we just kind of introduce yourself? Marlon, you want to go first? Marlon Hill? Coach Kelly, it's always, always a pleasure seeing your beautiful Nubian face. Thank you. Um, it's always great to be, you know, just chatting it up with you. Well, I've been practicing law here in Miami for the last 24 years. I'm a product, proud product of South Miami Heights through senior high school and been with a number of community issues over the years, mentoring, immigration, small business, entrepreneur advocacy. Step up to the plate to step into the gap of leadership, owning my own power to run for um, political office, um, to succeed um, a 26-year incumbent, um, Commissioner Moss, after 26 years, term limits, um, stepping up District 9 in Southwest Miami-Dade County. So I'm going to be on the ballot August 18th. My, thank you very much. <laughs> my personal power, and um, those, that's that's one of the tips that you can do with your personal power. You can run for office or serve on a board, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay, wonderful. And Dwight, you have the floor. Hey, greetings, folks. Uh, I'm Dwight Bullard, a former Florida State Senator. I uh, had a chance to serve in elected capacity for eight years uh, during the grand old years of the Obama administration, 2008. <laughs> 2016 feels like forever ago. Um, my current uh, position is I'm the political director for a community-based organization here in Florida called the New Florida Majority. We uh, engage, you know, predominantly the black and brown community, but uh, folks all over the state of Florida, uh, you know, training them on how to be civically engaged, how to own their own power, uh, especially in the electoral space. Um, and, and developing civic engagement. In my other capacity, my, my non-paid capacity, 
I'm now also the president of the South Dade branch of the NAACP here, wow. in, here in Greater South Dade. Okay. So uh, just out here trying to squeeze uh, as much out of a 24-hour day as I can, clearly. <laughs> right. I love it. And you know what I love both about both of you guys is that not only do you work hard, you party harder. <laughs> I always see you at events and functions, and we always have such a great time. So it's so good that at least you know there's to have balance. You know, you gotta have balance. You gotta you gotta gotta own your your personal power and make sure that you are owning your culture because culture has power, right? Mm. You gotta enjoy. So let's jump into uh, I guess the first question. It's a pretty broad question. So like I said, this might end up being um, a series. but how do we tackle ra- racial injustice? Obviously, there's been a lot going on um, since George Floyd. And that it seems to be, so this is the question I had before I even asked that question. What do you think is different about the George Floyd incident versus all the others? Because it seems to me like this is a, like this movement is like worldwide now. You know, it, it seems a little bit stronger than like things that happened many years ago, um, even with the Mike Brown and um, even like, going back as far as um, 1992 with, um, what's the, the, the gentleman that was the first one recorded? Uh, Rodney King. Yeah, Rodney King. So like, but you know, now to me, it seems like this is taken off. Like it's so, it's so beautiful to see like young people, like these, the internet I think has helped. That might be a big part of it. <laughs> we didn't have social media back then. But what do you think is different? I'm just curious on your, on your perspective of that. Um, well, I'll, I'll go first, um, only because, uh, you know, director Ava DuVernay said something very powerful the other night when she was having a conversation with Oprah, when she talked about why, you know, why she felt impacted, uh, you know, felt a greater impact with this moment than any of the previous moments that you pointed out, Simone. Mm-hmm. And what she talked about was the idea that when you're watching this man plead for his life, beg for his life, say, I can't breathe as for his mother, uh, it's accompanied by somebody showing zero compassion for the situation. Um, in the case of Officer Chauvin, who was the Minnesota police officer that, that murdered George Floyd, um, you see him staring directly into a camera. So you see both men clearly facing the camera, one clearly begging for his life, asking for uh, you know, some sense of compassion, um, and someone who had his hands in his pocket uh, his hands in his pockets, clearly not uh, caring for for what was uh, about to happen next. And so, eight minutes and forty six seconds. I mean, if you time that, if you think about what you do, uh, what you do, or, or how long that is when you sit and breathe, or you're sitting trying to be patient, mm-hmm. you realize how long it was uh, that it took this man to snuff out that man's life. And I really think that's what is hitting everybody uh, seems to be regardless of uh, ethnicity, nationality, you know, whether you are from Minnesota or not, you know, we see, we're seeing, as you pointed out, uh, upri- uh, uprisings in, in London and mm-hmm. Japan and China, Australia, New Zealand. Um, and I think really that's what hits at the heart of it was the lack of compassion on the part of somebody who was supposed to be protecting uh, people's lives. Right. You know, Reverend Al Sharpton um, also said it best to um, my brother Dwight with, with regards to the decades and centuries of someone's knee being in the back of your neck. Mm. Um, yeah, that was a good analogy. I think yep. what was really revealing about this, Simone, as well, was, was the fact that the officer was white. I think that's an important fact in the scenario. 
um, officer also has power, talking about owning your power. His peers, other officers also have power. And they chose to use their power in a way that ended up in a loss of a life. Mm. Already on his stomach, already handcuffed, reasonably out of power. Okay. <laughs> right? And he did, he did not deserve to lose his life over $20. I, even if it was five dollars, so ridiculous. It was a hundred dollars. You know, did he really need to um, lose his life under those circumstances? And the fact that people had to watch it from beginning to end, I think there, there's so many things about it that's so egregious and and hurtful that I think it's just compounded with all the decades and right. of knees in the back of our neck. It has to push the world over, right? Because whether you're from Kingston or you're from Accra or you're from Paris, or you're from Johannesburg, or you're from Atlanta, you probably seen, felt, or other similar situations with a knee in the back of your neck, physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I'm just fed up. Mm -hmm. And, and in, order, in order for us to kind of get past this, we really have to own the power of how hurtful and rageful it is, right? Because emotions are powerful. Right, so one of the first things we have to um, be, have truth and reconciliation about are the emotions. That incident and all the other incidents that compounded it. Right, the thing I think that triggers um, me, and I didn't watch the video, I can't, I'm good. Um, I don't wanna see, uh, I already heard, you know, the simple fact that his, he's calling out for his mother and his mother died. I think, you know, y'all know I'm intuitive. I think he was crossing over already. Like he was actually like already in that realm. That's why he saw his mother. Mm. But the thing that gets me is, these kids that will shoot up a school, these murderers that will like do like kill like like American terrorists, they will gingerly put them into the car, cover their head. They'll be so gentle. And somebody that didn't do any hardly anything, they treat them like they're like mass murderers. So it's, it's, we have it all mixed up here. So, um, so with that said, the, the biggest question is how do we tackle as an individual? Remember, the show is about how do we affect change in our community? We can't, you know, obviously change everybody's mind, but how can we as an individual start? small and help with racial equality how, how, how do, what do you suggest i'll take this one first you know i think one of the first things that you got to do personally is that you got to be truthful with your emotions and and to be honest about how you feel and express how you feel i feel frustrated i feel angered i feel raged i feel disappointed i feel sad um because this this is real it really black people our emotional state has been under the duress for generations. Right. This has to have some mental health impact to it. So you got to own how you feel about it. Right. But the key thing, you can't wallow in it. You can't stay in that moment for too long. Otherwise, you will lose your power after you have owned your emotions, right? So you got to be with your emotions. Then you got to find a way out of it in order to, you know, in order to keep moving, right? Because we've always had, we've always had to have to keep moving. There's of the distress and the duress and the repression and the oppression that we've been, been on globally across the world for whatever melanin in our skin, we've always had to keep moving, right? So you can't stay in the emotions too long. Um, it's rage or outrage, um, frustration or anger because um, you, you gotta then wake up to figure out, okay, how are you gonna make an impact on the world? Um, and that can take various permutations um, once you make that decision as to what lane you want to go in. Okay. Yeah, uh, 
you know, I know we're going to be touching on uh, how how folks interact with each other. Um, but you you touched on something very early on, Simone, uh, about the fact that people are out here tweeting or posting or engaging or protesting. Or, mm-hmm. uh, and it's all the things, uh, you know, to piggyback on what Marlon was saying, it was like, yeah, you're, you're sitting in those emotions, you're sitting with those feelings, and all of them are genuinely, all of them are genuine, all of them are real. Um, but uh, to his point, um, like once you've kind of reached your peak sadness or your peak level of anger or your peak level of frustration, it becomes a question of what do you do, right? And and whatever outlet, whether that outlet be creative, whether that outlet be uh, intentional, whether it be uh, an outward expression of the frustration, whether it is, again, you drafting up a sign and going out and, and supporting uh, that local protest, whether it is you donating to uh, a community organization that is engaging in this fight on a regular basis, or whether you go and cast that ballot, all those things are uh, really productive expressions of all those emotions that you're feeling. But I do want listen, uh, you know, the, the folks who are viewing this to understand that for Black people, this is a generational phenomenon that we uh, have dealt with for a long time. And, and to that point around trauma, you have to think about this, whether it is a George Floyd or for, a, you know, past generation, Emmett Till, or the assassination of Dr. King, or you mentioned Rodney King, or Michael Brown, or Trayvon Martin. These are all individuals who have suffered inhumane, uh, you know, uh, acts of inhumanity at the hands of authority figures, uh, white authority figures. And it's like, it's like a record that keeps on spinning. Right. And so for people now to kind of like, the frustrating thing for these conversations that are happening now is like people coming to this like I didn't know this was happening or you know clutching their collective pearls like what when all this 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 is all new to me and it's like no for us it's been going on forever <laughs> it's been going on forever but here's what you got to understand is like if Emmett Till impacts my grandmother's generation and then Rodney King impacts my generation and George Floyd impacts this generation that means that everybody at some point who was able to have a child has now had to pass down that trauma of an experience that they couldn't cover up, right? So it's like, so you're talking about people in these 20-year chunks or these 25-year chunks all having like this indelible impression on their lives Mm -hmm. that fundamentally changed who they are and how how they look at themselves and how they see themselves, right? And we're still dealing with that and trying to unpack that. But then also, you also have to remember that at each one of those turns, there was a reactionary moment right. by Black people to try and implement change as well. Uh, so when we're having these conversations, people have to understand that it's twofold. I'm still trying to deal with the trauma. And at each step of the way, I've also tried to move the needle forward on trying to get justice for community. Um, and now if you want to help me engage in this fight, that's great that this was your catalyst, but don't think we're new to this. Um, and also, don't uh, try to make this as some sort of one-off moment either. Like, don't try to try to like characterize this as like, oh, it's upsetting what happened to George Floyd, hard stop. Right. No, this it's bigger than that. Right. Yeah. 
Well, the, I, I wanted to um, touch on, you actually kind of led into the next question related to how can we as individuals um, help change the laws? Because I, I was really impressed that even they just um, made a law for Breonna Taylor. Um, so, I mean, thing, I feel like things are moving. I just don't know how much, how fast it's going to stop soon. You know, eventually yeah. it slows down and then it picks back up again, but hopefully nothing else will trigger something to pick back up. But what, what can we do as individuals to help change laws and do different things? To You can do a lot. You can do a lot. You know, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have power to do many things. Okay. I, I want to really underscore that. As long as we can't breathe, as long as you are breathing, you have power to do many things, including changing laws, right? One of the things that you must remember is that you cannot be afraid of politics at any level. In fact, politics should be afraid of you. <laughs> you should not be afraid of politics. Politics should be afraid of you. And what that means is that politics is simply different people having opinions on a particular position on something, a value or something in a budget or a particular law, and they may agree or they may not agree, and the tension between when that happens, and they come, that's all, that's all politics is, right? So if you are breathing, you probably have a passion or interest in something. Some people care about the environment, some people care about policing and relationship with um, law enforcement, some people care about transportation, some people care about cultural expression, um, all of those things in our lives are by laws. Laws created by Congress or the legislature, like Dwight served in the state legislature, or created by a county commission that I'm aspiring for, um, or it could be a city commission, right? These laws, Simone, don't just come up in air. You have to have an idea that a law is needed for that. We need to do a, put a restriction or a limitation on that under the Constitution. And as long as it's constitutional, it's a law based on who law in. And the politics comes into play, those the majority, those who don't use their power to vote against the majority, creates the law, right? So if you care about something changing as it relates to the situation of racial injustice, or there's some other law, you have the power to kind of figure out how to go through the process law at the county commission level, at the state legislature level, at the congressional federal level. You can't wait for that to wake up and go, damn, where did that law come from? Sleeping on your power, those who were breathing were using their power to create a law that they liked. But what would be like the first step? Because it's still still broad to me. Like, I don't know, like, sure. if I was like, say, hey, I want to change the law with the police. Like, what would I do as a regular citizen? What do I do? Sure. Drink some club? Uh, like <laughs> I'll try me here and put on my uh, former social studies teacher hat, right? Um, yeah, hook it up. <laughs> it's it's the, the, the simple step is having an idea, right? Okay. You, see, you see something wrong. You see an injustice. And whatever kind of like that simple, visceral immediate reaction is to why is that allowed mm -hmm. that's the idea that's the birth of the idea right so people are watching george floyd die on television and they're like how's that possible so you're asking yourself that question how's that possible how how's a police officer able to do that and so what 
when now you have the birth, it's like, okay, is that legal? You know, is that allowable? Is that justified? If that is justified, should it be justified? How do I change that? And so what you're seeing happen right now, and I'm just using that as an example, is now people talking about changing policing acts, changing excessive use of excessive force acts, you know, the banning of certain chokeholds, like the one that killed Eric Garner, you know, and what does that mean? That if someone, what that means for that officer, and we're talking about policing in particular, is that if now something is banned and made illegal, and you're acting outside of that legality, what you've done now is an illegal act. So even, so even you having the badge no longer matters at that point, because what you've done is you've committed an illegal act based on something that does not, no longer exist. So for people, and that, and that goes with anything, I mean, even the most mundane thing, like the reason that, uh, you know, the miles per hour on a highway is no longer 55 is because cars go faster, right? You know, so, you know, there was a certain point where cars only went 55 miles an hour. Oh, so wow. it made sense, right? But now when you have a car that goes double that, right. you have to now come up with another another number that that both protects individuals and protects the safety of the area, but also recognizes that that things are progressing. Marijuana law is a prime example, right? For years, we've always kind of viewed this thing as a legal substance. People refer to it as a gateway drug. Mm -hmm. And now people are talking about it, the medicinal qualities of it, right? Now people are talking about, should it be considered illegal? So now you have 29 states out of 50 that have some law on the books that says this is no longer, you know, this uh, widespread illegal narcotic, quote unquote. And but now we have to get other folks to, to to continue to catch up. So I just want to go back to the original point. Like if you see something out there that 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 you find uh, problematic, you change that. But to a point that Marlon was making, politics requires uh, engagement. So so when he was talking about politics should be scared of you. When folks are saying, well, I don't do politics or I, you know, I fall back or I don't really do. They're talking about me, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about you and a lot of other people. So like, you, you, you are emblematic of so many other folks out there. And I just want to say that, that there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, being vulnerable enough to say that that's what it is. But I use this analogy uh, when talking with somebody else. It's like going out on a date and seeing somebody and going home and being like, well, I'm never going to call that person again. And you're thinking, well, the date's over. In the case of politics, politics is going to continue to date you, whether you like that person <laughs> or not. You know what I'm saying? The taxes are going to go up if you don't want them to go up. You know, your rent's going to go up, if you, whether, whether or not you, you choose to engage or not. Now, your engagement could shift that, right. meaning that if you think your rent's too high, or your taxes are too high, or they're not being used properly, your level of engagement, your level of commitment to saying, I want this used on parks instead of police. Mm -hmm. I want this to go to more buses than I want it to go to, to this. You know, your level of engagement and involvement in the process will ultimately be the thing that shifts the priorities you're going to meet the process, Simone. You're going to meet the process where you're most comfortable, right? You know, some people are comfortable on the streets holding up the sign. 
a very important role protesting, right? Constitutionally, right? With the, the constitutional rights that you have. Some people are comfortable um, being part of the digital campaign, right? In terms of spreading the word. Some people are, are more comfortable raising the money, right? Remember the civil rights movement, you know, there was a different role for Martin and a diff different, um, different role for Harry Belafonte. Everyone had a different role, mm -hmm. but you gotta meet the process where you're very comfortable. You gotta find your, find your lane and find your role. The, the, the one thing is that you can't really be on the sidelines spectating, otherwise you, you are laying down on your power. And if you and your friends care about certain things, but one friend is more active and the other, the other friend is indifferent, you won't be able to move the needle in the same way. But let me, I, the, the one main thing I'm trying to, trying to understand is, I come up with the idea of a law. I want to fix it. I want to change it. Where do I go? Do I just go to like a town hall meeting? Like what? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, that, that that's just it. It's like where 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 is where is that idea kind of rooting itself in, right? And 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 what's the governing entity that handles that, right? You know, so going back to going back to old school schoolhouse rock. You know, there are different levels of government, federal state and local right and so if you're having a challenge with a pothole on your street then that's very much a local thing if you're yeah. walking outside and you're seeing this your cars you know getting messed up because of a pothole on a local road then you take you you take that you know you redress that with your local government however if you're talking about the fact that uh, you haven't seen your uncle or your cousin or your, your auntie because 20 years ago uh, they got caught carrying, you know, cocaine and all of a sudden uh, they got busted in some federal drug bust. That's a larger conversation that you take up with your congressperson or when you're talking about who you elect to the presidency around the change of federal laws. At the state level, same thing. You know, what is the state doing? The state controls things like school funding, uh, hospital funding. So it's like, those are the kind of conversations that you're having. So wherever you're being most impacted is where you're gonna, you're, where you're gonna take your message to. I actually have a question from Michael Racklin, which I'm sure you both know who she is, um, friend of the show as well. She wanted to know, what do they each see as the most important local laws and initiatives that we should be more focused on to improve? Um, they're talking about Miami, me personally, because this is not just a Miami show, um, if you can make it a little broader, like what laws do you think are the most important that we need to focus on? Because social, social justice issues is the actual full question. I think, I think that is very important that you, you, you must know, do you live in a city or do you live in a county, right? Because you can live in a city and a county at the same time, but you could also like, you know, whether you live in the city of Atlanta or do you live in, um, Warner Robins or something like that, right? Or do you live in Coral Gables or do you live in Miami Gardens, right? So you, you got to be aware of the city that you're in um, and the county where you live because that will determine who has responsibility for what types of services, right, Simone? And where the money comes from to pay for those services. The money is key, right? You just just like you, your house budget, you, 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 your budget reflects values of your home, your priorities. So what are the priorities of your city and what are the priorities of your county? So the budget as a general thought is a very important part of you determining what 
your community considers important, right? So if you have a budget that spends, what do you think, Dwight, 40 to 50% on policing, uh, and the rest of the budget is on everything else, then what is really the most important, right? So you may need to start asking the questions if your budget reflects your values, that you may need to reshuffle your priorities in order to assert where you want to spend your money, right? And that, that could come to the, the point of this, the social justice issues that you care about. You know, Michael cares about um, young women and single mothers, you know, um, having and owning their girl power. Um, so do, are they receiving sufficient funding for the issues that single moms have to burden in this community? taking care of primarily young black men who are getting into trouble that end up in the hands of interacting with policing. So it's, it's all connected. It's, it's not in a silo, Simone. So the budget is something very important. Do you know the budget cycle for your city? Okay. And not when the budget is about to be passed, when the budget is being drafted. How do we find that out? Where do you go to find the budget of your city? I'm curious. Well, yeah. I mean, you check with a uh, city manager, with your local city council person. Like, you know, many cities like Atlanta, like Miami, uh, you have these districts, you have these individuals that are that are saying that they're representative of the community, right? But many of the folks don't know. Like, you know, in terms of my job, you know, the state of Florida has 40 senators. Uh, so I'd be at all these different places and people would be like, well, when are you going back to DC? And I'm like, I don't work in DC. You know, I work in Tallahassee. There's a difference between state and federal government and understanding the distinction between the two. And again, there's no such thing as a silly question. So it's not a knock on people who don't know because you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. But what ends up happening is people feel like they're impacted by something and then they want to react. And then they're like, wait, I don't know where to go or what to do. And it's like, it, it's a frustrating feeling. And we talked about this notion of helplessness, right? Like, mm -hmm. because like you're feeling the anger, you're feeling the frustration, and you're like, I don't know where to direct it. Not understanding that it's literally right around the corner, right? Like, you know, in the case of Georgia, Georgia has almost 200 members of its legislature. You know, even though, even though their population is about, uh, 9,000, 9 million people less than the state of Florida. Oh, so wow. you have more representatives, you know, for you, that which means you have these smaller districts uh, with uh, people that are probably interacting at the local grocery store <laughs> that you probably seeing. You're like, oh, I saw them at a rally or oh, I saw this community flyer or, or this person's having a community meeting, but uh, I don't feel like going. And then there's moments like these will pop up and you're like, Remember that time when I decided to like watch Netflix versus go to the community <laughs> meeting? I guess it was a thing, but it's, at the end of the day, it's not like you can't pick up the phone or go shoot an email or hop on Twitter or hop on Instagram because all of these folks live in those spaces as well. You know, you're talking about somebody in the White House who they call the tweeter in chief, right? Like this is somebody who deliberately interacts on this on a particular social media platform but you have to understand what that means that means that now everybody else has to deliberately react to that same social media platform so everybody you're trying to get in contact with 
lives in these spaces that you're operating in on a regular basis, but people are too fearful. They act like, oh, well, I have to form my email in a particular way, or I have to, I have to say a certain thing, and I, I don't want to come off too unintelligent. But you will roast like a Charlemagne the God, right? Because you're like, I feel like I can say anything to this person that I have never interacted never physically met yet you feel you have to act a particular way to this person who lives around the corner right and people have to get out of that mindset like if you're feeling a type of way like if you want to send a tweet and, and and i say this as a as a former elected if you feel angry enough to shoot me a tweet that says you need to fix this effing problem then guess what and then you put it in all caps I'm going to react to that because I just saw it, right? I'm going to be like, whoa, okay. Somebody out here is mad. So let's now figure out what the next steps are. Like that same sense of urgency and that same energy that people feel about critiquing clothing or when American Airlines lose your bags and you start tweeting them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you got you to gotta take that to your, to your city hall. You got to take that same energy to your, your state house. You got to take that to the members of Congress because you can't put people on this a unique pedestal as though you can't approach them right. where you right. feel more connected to a Kim Kardashian than you do to a Keisha Lance Bottoms. Right? Um, well, we have a lot more questions and we're, we have run out of time, unfortunately. So I think we're going to have to do a part two and a three. <laughs> but I think one of the, the things that seems to be a, a common question was related to the, the, the budget and how, how do we um, move the money around? Because everybody keeps talking about defund the police, defund the police. Like my first thing that came to mind for me was if we defund the police systems um, or the, you know, the precincts, I'm a little concerned. Are they going to say, oh, can't afford cameras anymore? <laughs> like I'm, I'm a little afraid that they're going to start saying they don't have enough money for other well, stuff. So I don't well, know. Well, I would leave people with this point, right? When when COVID-19 first struck and kids had to had to be homeschooled and everybody was like, well, well, we don't have laptops for the kids. We don't have Wi-Fi, okay? Then you had hospitals saying, we need masks and we need PPE and we need gloves. One thing you did not see in the midst of all these uh, protests is the police coming and saying, we need more tear gas and, no, and more rubber bullets. Okay. Right? So when we talk about we talk about priority issues in that budget. You got to think, same pool of money that funded those schools or didn't fund those schools or didn't fund those hospitals somehow knew that armored vehicles, rubber bullets, and tear gas was somehow going to be necessary for something you didn't know was going to happen, mm -hmm. right? So I want people to think about that when they think about the prioritization of where money goes is that if you have a hospital that in a crisis doesn't have enough gloves for its nurses, right? You have a school system that does not have Wi-Fi or computer access for its students in the case of emergency, but people already have enough gas, tear gas, and rubber bullets for you on the outside chance you might roll up and decide to protest because you saw a man murdered on television, that's a misplaced priority. Right. And that's why people should should move their energy. Wow. So um you guys, thank you so much for being here. And like I said, we are gonna do a part <laughs> part two and possibly three, because we want to talk more about policing the police. We want to talk about supporting black businesses, um, and also just getting more involved in the community. I wanna have more 
tips on that, like how what the next steps could be. Yeah, because I have so many questions that people I didn't get to ask. So sorry, guys. You'll be featured in the next show. <laughs> but thank you so much. Just do you want to um, leave like a website or anything for people to reach out to you? And Marlon, we got to vote for Marlon. <laughs> you, know, you, can check, you can check me out at marlonhead.com for sure. The election is August 18th. Um, you can vote by mail. You can vote early. Um, you know, do what you need to do. Start getting yourself prepared for these elections that are coming up. I want to recommend TurboVote. TurboVote sends you a text reminder for every election that you participate in. Check it out, TurboVote.org. And how can we donate to your, your um, campaign? MarlonHill.com. You can, you can donate to the campaign from wherever you are in the world. Okay. You can be a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident. If you are um, living in Atlanta, you can donate to the campaign at MarlonHill.com. <laughs> You can volunteer for the campaign, <laughs> but you must live in District 9 to vote for me on August 18th. Wonderful. Dwight, right. any last words? Website? Yeah, uh, New Florida Majority. Uh, we're on all social media platforms. New N-E-W-F-L Majority on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, NewFloridaMajority.org if you want to find out and get involved in the work that we do. We do have uh, partner organizations in, in some of the key states, including Georgia, shout out to New Georgia Project and all the great work they're doing for voter registration and voter engagement. And wouldn't be remiss, you know, NAACP has been the oldest, boldest and coldest civil rights organization now having been around for 111 years. We uh, always encourage folks to sign up. You do not have to be black to be a member of the NAACP. Uh, you can just be a member of the NAACP, NAACP.org. Uh, if you wanna be part of the South Bay branch, look for us. Uh, on the website. Thank you. Thank you guys. So thank you so much for being here and everybody, please reach out to them, you know, get involved in your community, stay tuned and probably in the next couple of weeks we'll do um, a part two and um, keep it locked on Own Your Power. Remember anything you want is attainable, Own Your Power. Own Your Power Radio, real soul and hip hop, just the way you like it.